I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at PurePleasureShop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shameless Sex Podcast. Chip, I have a song for you. You do? Pressure pushing down on you, pushing down on me. That's all I got. That was good. Little Bowie action to get us started. <laughs> it's a new year. Well, I guess it's been a new year for uh, about 10 days. Yeah, it's about 10 days of the new year. 2023, y'all. Yeah. 2023, baby. Feeling good. Uh, how do you feel about pressure, Chip? Do you like it? Is it really good for your sex life? Only if I'm cooking food. I like Ooh. pressure because it's a pressure cooker. can make things go a little faster, but not in my sex life. No, that's... What about the, the G-, G area or some... Only when it's the right amount of pressure and mm. it takes a minute to decide and that can change as well. Yeah. What I about agree. you? Ooh, definitely not like the mental pressure. No, 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 no. If you're pushing me to get from point A to point B, I'm Why in don't you my come, head. Amy? Why aren't you coming? Why aren't you having an What's orgasm, Amy? Wrong what with you? is happening? <laughs> or I could do it to myself. Amy, why aren't you coming? What's going on? Why aren't you feeling pleasure? Why are you thinking about oatmeal? Even though you stopped eating oatmeal like three years ago, but you're still thinking about it for some reason. Who knows why? And instead, Allison Ash, Dr. Allison Ash, has a lot of tips and tricks to share about pressure, whether you're the giver or the receiver, and how pressure can serve you and also not serve you so much. And then how do you work around that? And I think a lot of our listeners can relate with you and I, Chip, about being heady people and how easy it is to go in the loops and the cycles, whether you are the giver or receiver and feel kind of kind of stuck. But there are ways to work around that uh, meditation, just saying. Well, pressure is also interesting because it can be environmental. I am currently recording away from Santa Cruz. I'm in the mountains and it's really dry here. And I put it, I'm putting pressure on my pussy to get wet, but I'm so parched all the time because it's so dry. And I'm like, wait, April, go easy on your pussy. You're going to need lube, right? I just need Mm -hmm. to, to lube up because my, even my, like my eyeballs are dry. It's just a different elevation. So, um, and then for, for cock owners out there, if your cock isn't cooperating, maybe you're stressed out or maybe you are just, I don't know, going through changes, life changes, or you are thinking too much about basketball. I don't know. You you never know. And your cock's not operating how you want it to. And you're putting pressure on yourself. I like that you said it's not only putting pressure on someone else, but you can also put pressure on yourself. Totally. And I also love how you said that pressure or um, I guess actually no lubrication can happen for a lot of other reasons. We'll get into the lubrication conversation in a minute because it has to do with the sex question. Uh, And I like that you said that because even though it's not necessarily related to to pressure entirely, um, it also is important to talk about because a lot of people think if I don't have a wet pussy, there must be something wrong with me. But you could be in high elevation. Your eyeballs could be dry. So why wouldn't your pussy be dry? too? And you could be turned on and your pussy just isn't, which is what happened to me. I, I was super turned on. My pussy wasn't cooperating. And and then I relieved the pressure that I was putting on myself, getting in my head and said, it's OK, let's just grab some lube. And mm-hmm. that ended the pressure situation in my brain. I'm sure you grab some Uber lube. Is I, I had the to-go ones. I love the to-go Ooh, the ones. the good-to-go's. Yeah, yes. they're great. Uh-huh. They're fabulous. Well, we will get into the lube conversation in a minute. If you've been listening to the Shameless Sex Podcast for the last month or so, you have heard us do sizzlas, teasers, trailers at the end of each episode where we feature a sizzler, te- a teaser, or trailer from other podcasts in our podcast network, the Pleasure Podcast Network. Uh, this one is with the Holly Randall Unfiltered podcast. And Holly has been on our show. What was the episode number that she was on our show? 175. What was it called again? Behind the scenes with porn stars and porn shoots. Because she, she's a photographer. She's been a mm-hmm. photographer. Her mother is a photographer, was a photographer. And she comes from a long line of artists. And, and she's incredible. She's amazing. And she has a lot to share on our show, on her show. And she has a really phenomenal YouTube channel. I have not figured out the art of how she does that because she's constantly interviewing 
porn stars, performers, directors, people in the porn industry and and outside of it because we were on the show and we are not in the porn industry. Uh, and she's just she's an incredible and she's just an incredible everything like photographer, creator, uh, interviewer. She's she's all the things. And she's a wonderful person. We just got to do a retreat with her in May. So definitely go and check out her podcast and stay tuned for the trailer. Don't tune out at the end. And if you want to learn more, go to episode 175 in April. Are you ready for a sex question? Wait, question for you. How long are the trailers? Like just a minute. So everyone knows. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. Everyone has a lot. An extra 60 seconds. Come on, y'all. Come if on. you're going to get on Instagram after, if you're going to Instagram to look at Holly Randall, that's cool. Otherwise, stay tuned and listen to Holly Randall because she's amazing. Okay, I am ready for the sex question now. I just wanted to ask you a question before the sex question. I like a question before a question. <laughs> just right. don't answer a question with a question, okay? What? Exactly. What? Why? 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 How? Yeah. How? Okay. <laughs> All right. I am new to the world of lube and an amateur with toys. My husband of 14 years and I have only recently started to explore new ways to enjoy being intimate with each other. And I only have one toy. What lube is good? No, great for toy play and non-toy play. Hmm. Thoughts, Everyone Chip? that listens to us is going to know the answer. <laughs> and they're like, come on. Is that, come on. is that a rhetorical question? We can make it Jeopardy. What is... <laughs> what it what doesn't actually come from Germany comes from Chicago mm -hmm. and looks like a beautiful bottle with an inscribed label that says Uber Lube on it could be just perfume. for you. Yeah, just it doesn't say just for you. you. It doesn't it does, say that. It does not. Uh, but that could be we could do the opposite of answering the question with describe what is uber lube mm. so it is a silky luxurious lubricant that never gets sticky it has a little bit of vitamin e in it so it actually feels like it's moisturized in the skin it has no flavor no scent it's very body friendly and april even likes to use it for oral sex on the occasion because of the no and flavor no my scent. doors the doors mm. in my house that squeak anytime Squeaky doors. uber lube um, yes also good for anal um, and vaginal sex, less likely to change the pH than a lot of other lubes. And you're talking about for toy play and non-toy play. So we actually have a blog post on our website, shamelesssex.com. If you go to our blog, you can see a blog post about Lube 101. And it does talk a little bit about using lube with toys. So I'm just going to speak to that, especially when it comes to silicone lube. Well, uh, we could talk about oil-based and water-based briefly on here. Our number one lube, whether it's for toys or without toys, is going to be silicone lube. It's going to be Uber lube. We just absolutely love it. And we have for years, far before the podcast, we, we've just been a huge fan for a long time and we like it because it just feels super wonderful on the body. Like I actually want it on my body and it feels fantastic. It doesn't scream like, get this off my body, take a shower. Now it's more like I want to rub it into my skin. I put in my cuticles when they're dry. So for non-toy play, fabulous. The thing about toy play is that generally speaking, we don't want to necessarily use silicone lube with silicone toys. With that said, if you go look in that blog post, we actually talk about how to test that to see if your silicone lube works with your silicone toy because I personally and I don't know if you want to speak for yourself April and we can't speak be on behalf of Uber lube but I have used Uber lube with plenty of silicone toys and had no problem I just wash them right away I don't let it sit for six weeks and, and I've had zero marinate issues. like a steak you don't exactly. let it marinate like, you, no can I just vouch for Uber lube on a side note aside from the fact that I have been a fan it's the only lube that I really have used it the longest they only have one product for a reason. From a business standpoint, if you only have to make one product, you're going to know that it's a good product. So yeah. they they believe in it. I believe in it. And anybody that I've ever given it to, I've received text messages from friends that let me know that it was a one product they brought to Burning Man. It was all that they needed. Or it was a run <laughs> product they brought to Europe. And it's all that they needed for their hair, for their skin. So it's, it's incredible. And on the toy side, if I use internal toys, I always use Uber Lube and I always wash them. I don't let it marinate like a piece of chicken or tofu or a steak because... You should be washing your toys. Amy knows that I'm actually not the greatest at washing <laughs> my toys. I cleaned toys for her before. She has not with me asking. That's a good she friend. was like, "Why are you doing?" It is a really good friend, <laughs> and uh, it, I, my toys haven't been affected. So you can say for yourself by what you saw, Amy. You didn't clean any of my anal toys, thankfully. <laughs> I do next. clean those right after. I would do I, it. I would clean those after. <laughs> I would do it. I would totally would. do it. And yeah, anal totally is a different would. story because, you know, it's the ass. But um, yeah, clean your toys ideally. And if you do it right away, 
generally speaking, from what I've understood, I've yet to hear of anyone having major issues. You can always spot test your toys. Again, look at that blog post to learn more about that. Uh, if you want to try other products, just a couple other recommendations for lubes. So if we're talking great, honestly, hands down, I all I can really stick with is Uber Lube um, because I have yet to try a water-based lube that I'm like, this is great. And uh, maybe Uber Lube will make one one day, but as of now, I, there's some that are good though. So a good water-based lube, I like the Sliquid Oceanic line. Um, I think that they make a really good body-friendly organic lubricant that is long-lasting for a water-based lube. Oil-based is a little more tricky because uh, oil-based lubricants can cause yeast infections for people if they're really prone to them and they just kind of linger longer. Although the exception would be organic virgin coconut oil, extra virgin coconut oil. I don't know why it's called that, but I personally have use coconut oil and I found it really wonderful on my body. The only thing about that is you can kind of leave like a little bit of film. And for me, I use it on my popcorn. So it reminds me of snacks, but <laughs> I don't know. My pussy can be a snack and same with the cock. Uh, but there also are studies that show that it's antifungal. So it's, anti someone... it's antimicrobial as well. Uh -huh, yeah. So is... it actually can be body, body friendly in that way. Ever, again, ever... But then the condom thing though, there's that one. So disintegrates, disintegrates yeah. any latex oil based products can disintegrate latex or even non latex, I believe too. Uh, maybe coconut oil is a little less than other oils, but I don't know. I was still would not risk it. So it really depends on what you're doing. Um, hands down that if you want great, you want to go with Uber Lube. And if you want to try your greatness with Uber Lube, you get 10% off and free shipping with code shameless at uberlube.com. So it's our favorite lubricant. Go try it out. And if not, well, you can try some of the other things we recommended. Go check out the blog and post. If this human wants more than just one toy, you can go to purepleasureshop.com and check out the Shameless Sex picks, top picks. We have the toys that we talk about the most that we actually do update those regularly. So if you want to expand your toy chest or your toy drawer, check out what we have. And what's the coupon code, Amy? You know this one by heart. Shameless Sex. You get 15% off at purepleasureshop.com. We're saving you all money all the time because why not put all the money that you save in the bank and buy more sex toys later? Yes, exactly. Okay. Are you ready for a bio? I am. All right. Dr. Allison Ash, aka Dr. Allie, is a trauma-informed intimacy coach and educator, Stanford University lecturer, author, and founder of TurnOn.Love. As a sociologist with a PhD from Stanford, Dr. Allie is champion for others, overcoming shame and deepening pleasure and helps her clients experience pleasurable sexual interactions and nourishing romantic relationships. Dr. Allie invites you to turn on pleasure, intimacy, and love at www.turnon.love slash intimacy. All right, everyone, it is interview time, and we are here with repeat guest, Dr. Allison Ash, who actually just got married uh, this last week. C congratulations, Dr. Allison Ash. Are you going with sticking with Ash? Or are you changing your name? Are you doing the name change? I'm going to be Dr. Allison Ash. Nice. That's, that's staying. That's what I was hoping for. It's a great name. And, yeah, um, and it's your name. So, okay. So you have been on our show. Okay. Is it four or five times now? Then? <laughs> I think this might be my fifth time. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we just had you on um, in the fall uh, and this is coming out in the winter of 2023, actually. Hello. Happy 2023. This is the future because we are now in 2022 as we're recording this. How's the future, everyone? And we are here to talk about pressure during sex, how it shows up, how it's different from new relationships, casual sex to long-term relationships. And what are the, the tools to work with pressure or I guess against it? Um, because Pressure generally isn't that helpful, at least uh, other than my G-spot. You know, my G-spot likes some pressure. But uh, when it comes to relationships and sex and relating in most other ways, not so much. So we'll get there in a second. But can you please tell our listeners, especially the ones that are new and haven't heard your past uh, episodes, how did you get to where you are today in the field of sexuality? Well, let's see. I think my career started with my PhD at Stanford, where I specialized in gender and sexuality. And I did a lot of research on the college hookup culture and the orgasm gap and queer pathways uh, towards exploration and new identities. And so it was a really wonderful place to learn a lot of skills and get my feet wet. And also really realized that what made me come alive was teaching more so than doing research, and that I wanted to expand the education that I was really 
learning and acquiring and refining and being able to offer it to a much wider audience and to be able to create experiential real world change for folks. Yeah, that's great. You still have the number one episode, most listened to downloaded episode in Shameless Sex. It is How to Eat Pussy Like a Champ. And year after year, that was, was that the first one that we did? I think it was the second second one. one. Okay. It was the second one. Every time you're on the show, y'all know that she just has the most amazing information. And in general, you just share really quality advice and tips and all of this. And, And this subject, sometimes pressure. I mean, unless you're the singing a David Bowie song, like under pressure, <laughs> it's not really, it doesn't sound sexy. However, we can shift that and, and change a little bit about what people know about pressure and sex because yeah, pressure is not super fun. It's like, makes me sweat. Not in a good way. Um, I do really well under pressure. So what are some reasons people feel pressure around sex? Let's start there. Yeah. I think folks feel pressure because they think that they should be different than how they are, feel different, experience something different, or perhaps they're trying to change somebody else's experience or influence it, wanting them to feel or think a certain way or not feel or think a certain way. We can feel a pressure around a sense of obligation. Anytime that shoulds come up, I think shoulds are a real clear indication of pressure. I should be fill in the blank. Right. We feel pressure to perform, to be sexy, to be appealing, to get hard, to stay hard, to have an orgasm, but not have too messy of an orgasm, to be a competent lover. Right. All of that can be a real source of pressure, as well as navigating, I think, differences in libido or differences in desire. Your partner wants different things than you do. Even something as simple as a special occasion, like a birthday or an anniversary, can create a lot of pressure. Mm hmm. Yeah, this well, there's a lot of pressure all over in in the world, and it might not even be in your sex life, but it will find its could find its way into your sexual world, like into your bedroom, even though it's not related, right? And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I know for myself when I experience a lot of other stress and outside pressures, it I definitely don't show up as like the shiniest sexual being. Okay, so since we're saying it so many times this podcast, pressure, 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 can we please define what pressure is, I guess, specifically in sex? Is it the same as coercion? Like someone's kind of pushing me in a certain direction where I should, they're trying to get me to have sex a certain way. Like, are they are they similar or different? They're very related. I think of pressure as being more self-imposed. And it can come from external influences, of course. That's where we adopt these narratives and these beliefs and these stories about how we should be in a sexual realm. But we internalize it, and then we put self-imposed pressure on ourselves to show up a certain way because we feel guilty or we feel ashamed or, as I said, we feel obligation, whatever else that may be. Coercion is externally imposed, Mm -hmm. and it's coming with the intention of overriding somebody's genuine or authentic no. It can include guilt tripping, threats, even physical force, and it's really coming from this place of, I care about getting what I want more than I care about you or your experience. Yeah, well, I've been there. Mm -hmm. I I, I can't speak for everyone out there, but I know that not coercion per se. However, I've put pressure on myself to even to, sometimes it's good. Okay. For self-pleasure practices, we talk a lot about self-pleasure practices and, and keeping that as a regular routine, right? So you're, you're routinely doing that. And sometimes it can feel like you're pressuring yourself. Like I need to do this because I'm trying to explore my pleasure or I want to be a better lover. So I'm putting pressure on myself. I, I, you know, I should do this with my partner because I want to be this amazing lover. And I think that taking the the pressure off when it's just this pressure cooker is it's easier said than done. Right. So anyway, I was just a, a tangent because I'm relating to this topic a lot, even now, even since we've had shameless sex, I still put pressure on myself to uh, have sex. I'm like, I don't want to lose it. So I better use it. Right. I'm like, Oh, but it's like, is that ma- like maintenance for your relationship or for your own body? For both, because oh. I feel I have this idea that an orgasm a day, keeps like an apple. Me, yes, it's like it's like it keeps me young. I don't know if that's even legit, but that's how I feel. That's what I've told myself. So um, that's a side note for Doctor Allie later to What's go over. So, <laughs> so dating versus long term relationships. How does pressure operate differently in new encounters versus long term relationships? Yeah, I think that in 
newer relationships, there's less trust, there's less familiarity and comfort. And oftentimes we feel more pressure around forming that good impression around being a competent lover or being able to meet our partners in the way or lovers in the way that they want to be met. Pressure in long-term relationships, I think, stems from a couple of factors. And one of them is the fact that NRE wears away. NRE, new relationship energy, mm-hmm. is actually very much a physiological experience of being flooded with all sorts of hormones like oxytocin and norepinephrine. And, and all of these chemicals increase your libido. It gives you that 16-year-old falling in love feeling. And it can make your sex drive a lot higher and it can make pathways into sex a lot easier, meaning that you can have quickies and you can have access to just more easeful sex. And I think in long-term relationships, in the absence of that chemical support, folks need longer and more in-depth pathways and escalation patterns and ways to find their turn on and cultivate their erotic desire. And that can create a lot of pressure because things change and we want them to be how it used to be back when we were having this kind of physiological experience. And so we feel like we're not measuring up to it. We can feel pressure to keep it interesting or, uh, you know, it can start to feel like a chore or an obligation, especially when you're having sex when you don't want to be having sex. And then that can also create a sense of pressure around it as well. Okay. So is there a time where pressure can be helpful, like self-pressure can be helpful to move you into a direction of sexy time or sexiness where it's like, oh, maybe this pressure could be good for me because maybe I can use this as fuel because I want to have more sex with my partner, but I'm making up excuses and then I should myself. Is there a way to to flip that script? Well, I think what you're talking about is the relationship between desires and goals and pressure, right? Mm. We can have a very genuine, authentic desire and goal. And then we put a lot of pressure on ourselves around the ways that we're maybe falling short or whatever else we criticize about how we relate to that goal. Mm. Um, And so I think in those cases, what can be so helpful is to slow down to notice what's underneath the pressure, which is here a genuine desire for connection. Mm. And then to examine the ways in which you're relating to it in a very goal-oriented dynamic. Because when we approach intimacy with goals, that's what increases and amplifies pressure. And so oftentimes when I'm working with couples who are experiencing pressure, I want to help them reframe sex as intimacy Any type of intimate encounter is a win. It's credit in your intimacy bake that feeds your overall intimacy that makes all sexual interactions encounters, including sex, more accessible and abundant and yummy. And so you're creating just the opportunities for an authentic unfolding without feeling like there's a destination that you have to get to. Oftentimes, if especially in long-term dynamics, if My partner says, hey, Allie, do you want to have sex? It feels like a really big leap and jump from wherever I'm at in my day-to-day world to having sex. But if he says, hey, do you want to get naked and cuddle or uh, something that feels like a more accessible yes, then it actually is giving time for my desire to build and unfold. But if I feel like if we make out or have a naked cuddle, I'm obligated to have sex or I don't know how to stop that or de-escalate it, then I'm never going to want to do that naked cuddling because then I'm going to feel pressure that has to turn into something else. So how do we reframe sex as allowing for the authentic unfolding, the rightness of each moment rather than some sort of objective to complete? Yeah, I like that. I was trying to think of the ways that I pressure myself in sexuality. And I really can't think of when I use the word pressure and that definition of it, like a great example of it really serving me in a positive way. But I think having 
uh, goals or desires like you're talking about to be connected to my partner that aren't goal oriented, you know, like we must have penetrative sex every day. Otherwise we're broken. Or if we have, if we start touching, it has to lead to that. Or, you know, there's, there's these different variations of it, but I think just the desire to be connected and sexually connected really serves me. But if I pressure myself, it has to be a certain way or happen a certain amount of or, or certain frequency, then it's problematic. You were talking about the other day too, where you put uh, not pressure on yourself, but you're like, I never orgasm this way uh, from rarely oral. from oral. Sex. Right. Yeah. So it's like almost like telling yourself this story. And then you didn't pressure yourself, but you told yourself a different story during oral sex. Like I will orgasm or I can't. Oh, orgasm. I tried Forrest's tool. Yeah. This is the, the tool that Forrest shared when we did the prostate episode. That one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, he said um, it's like almost like uh, also Barbara Carella says, fake it till you make it, but not faking orgasms, everyone. Uh, but it's instead of saying like, I'm not going to come from this, you know, from cunnilingus because I generally don't. Uh, but I have, but it's, but it's rare. He was saying not just not from anything with sex is just tell yourself a different story. I think I'm coming. I think I'm coming. I think I'm coming. And I totally saw this shift in it, but that was, yeah, again, that's not pressure. And I'm not pressured to orgasm in that way. My partner doesn't pressure me. I don't pressure myself. It's more like kind of, re- I'm resolved, <laughs> so, but I'm trying this different, different thing to say, oh, well, maybe there's other options there. And maybe my resolution to just be like, you know, whatever. Anyways, um, let's talk about some helpful tips. I just shared one, at least that works for me. Um, but, but it wasn't about pressure necessarily. But some people might feel pressure when their partner is going down, right? Plenty so that's of people it kind do. Of, it kind yeah. of aligns. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds like what you're talking about, Amy, is really engaging in intentional and empowered exploration. Mm-hmm. And that is, exploring, okay, what happens for me when I remove this former narrative and think that anything is possible? In other words, when I combat some self-fulfilling prophecies that we can all have around wanting our body to show up a certain way. And then the more we're anxious about it, or the more we believe it's not going to happen, the more likely that is to Mm -hmm. be the case. Right. Um, And that is a form of pressure. It's a form of performance pressure. And, and you were able to shift that into, okay, let's just be explorative here and see what's possible. Mm -hmm. And that helps to remove the goal of, I have to come from oral sex or else I'm broken, Mm -hmm. which is not your narrative, but so easily could have been how you related to that experience. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it was powerful in that experience. I didn't have an orgasm, everyone, from it. I was like, but you know, if the orgasm is like a ten, where I'm like, okay, that's a clear orgasm. I was hanging out like an eight, and that was you know pretty. That was awesome. I could hang out an eight for a long time. I don't have to go to the ten. So, but anyways, okay. So helpful tips to start turning the pressure valve down. And I'm curious about both within ourselves because you're saying pressure often comes from our own selves, um, but also with sex with others. How can we turn that pressure valve down? Well, when we're thinking about what we can do with ourselves, one of the best tools that we have is embodiment because pressure is a heady experience. It's analytical, it's critical, and it's an experience of kind of feeling stuck in our heads often. And so the alternative there is to be able to more fully inhabit your body, to be able to feel the sensations and the pleasure and your desire and to be able to notice what's happening for you internally can be an anchor that helps you get out of those spinning thoughts that you might have. And so practicing embodiment is a wonderful thing that you can do. And sometimes that might be even just naming, hey, I'm in my head, because it can be a very isolating experience to be stuck in your head, especially if you're trying to mask that because you don't think you should be stuck in your head. So not only are you now in your head about how you think you should be performing differently sexually, but now you're also in your head about how you shouldn't be in your head, right? It's a double whammy and this happens so often to us. And so if we can name it and make it a shared an opportunity for a different kind of intimacy through vulnerability and something that we can explore together. And I think what's really important, either if you're doing it on your own or when you're sharing it with somebody else, is to not make it a problem, to normalize it. Everybody gets stuck in their head. Everybody feels pressure sometimes. I often feel pressure when it comes to sex, and I'm often naming it with my partner. And when I do, he says, oh, high pressure. And then he offers me reassurance, which is just that we don't have to go any specific place. This doesn't have to look any specific way. Let's just be with each other and explore and see what feels good and honor the rightness of the moment. That's our theme. And I think that's so valuable for folks to have. And in that, knowing that you can de-escalate if it's going too fast or in a direction that you don't want it to go, or that you can redirect it into something that would feel more pleasurable for you instead, or that you can finish and complete when you feel done. All of that helps to 
reduce pressure around where it's heading and allows you to just be in the present moment. And I think also what's so helpful is to never schedule sex. Oh, really? Whoa, we always say schedule it. Okay. Well, so when you say sex, you're talking about penetration or any kind of sex? Penetration. Okay. Okay. okay, Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Agreed. 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 Yes. But schedule time for intimacy. Okay. Yes. Yes. yes, Got it. Mm -hmm. When you're meeting up for your intimacy dates, have a menu of ways that you can connect with each other that could be attending to your emotional connection, your physical or your sexual connection. Things that might feel really quick, like the ability to be five minutes long versus things that feel really in depth so that you can let your desire it be explored and unfold. And really, this is so true for, I think, women in heterosexual relationships. Desire is something that builds as a process is unfolding. And so it's important to create the conditions for desire to come online and for us to get into our bodies and for us to feel our authentic turn on. And if we're doing that in a container of this is moving towards sex, that's going to be a recipe for pressure. Yeah, that's oh yeah, when you said it, it was like, uh-oh, we've been doing it wrong. But <laughs> yeah, the penetration piece for sure. We a hundred percent agree. And I think that's hard for a lot of people, the scheduling sex part. Um, a lot of people are actually in, in the say intimacy, let's say scheduling intimacy and not sex. Um, a lot of folks, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. They think that sex shouldn't be that. And that's another form of pressure. I guess that sex should be a certain way and we shouldn't have to schedule it. But I tell you, if you, ha- I don't even have kids, but you have kids and you have three jobs or, or one or the other, or you own a home or, or five dogs. I don't know. A lot of family, sick family member, or you're just a human. Um, sometimes scheduling intimacy is really important. So what would your advice be for those folks? I know it's not exactly like a part of pressure or maybe it is, but for people who are like sex shouldn't be a scheduled thing. It should be spontaneous well i think that we can remove the should with i want i Mm. like it when sex is spontaneous and Mm. also i think it's important to embrace a wide range of ways that sex can happen in your relationship i think for most folks they might say i love spontaneous sex but i also just love sex Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know if if one one can help feed the other because when you're f- having a more connected relationship when you feel more emotionally connected when you feel more embodied when you have more experience exploring your turn on it makes it easier to have more spontaneous sex but if you're going from very little sex to thinking all of a sudden we should be having spontaneous sex It's just really imposing a belief system that actually is pretty non-normative. In other words, it's very rare for that to be the case, but it's it's the result of the myth of normality. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before or not, but the idea of the myth of normality is that people only talk about what they think is normal. Hmm. And so then it really perpetuates this belief that that's actually what is normal because that's all that's being talked about. But what's really normal is probably what's happening in the fringes that people aren't talking about because they don't believe that it's safe to talk about it. They're too worried about being shamed by it. So Mm. I think that if you had a focus group of, you know, 20 couples, you would find that most of them are not having a lot of spontaneous sex. And so where can we notice where we're adopting these belief systems that we've gotten from rom-coms and other places in society that tell us that this is what, if you find Mr. or Mrs. or whoever right, this is what your sex will look like. And then when it falls short of that, we beat ourselves up or we question the strength of our relationship. Time for a quick break to talk about our hands down favorite lube, who also happens to be a sponsor, Uberlube. Uberlube is luxurious silicone lubricant that enhances intimacy. And I actually want it all over my body, y'all. I'm not joking. It's long lasting and it leaves my skin feeling really velvety, almost silky. And it has no flavor or scent. In April, I've heard you say this, great for oral sex. That's right. Mm-hmm. And they happen to have thousands of doctors and therapists in the U.S. alone recommending Uberlube to their patients for various reasons, including it feels amazing on the skin. It's highly body friendly. It's less likely to change the pH and that vitamin E leaves the skin feeling nice and moisturized. Uberlube is not just for sex. It's for massage. You can use it for your hair frizzies, for buffing up your tattoos, and it even prevents chafing. It comes in this gorgeous glass bottle that I love. So the aesthetics are beautiful. It has this easy pump top. You're going to love it. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it shamelessly on your nightstand. 
Just go to uberlube.com and use discount code SHAMELESS to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also brought to you by omgs.com. I've been recommending omgs to my clients for years now, and it's completely changed their lives, including that of my own. Omgs utilizes scientific research of real vulvas showing techniques to pleasure the pussy. And then they turn the research into tasteful, educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. And here's the thing. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Hey, vulva owners, want to transform your own orgasms from good to out of this world? Or vulva admirers want to up your pussy pleasure skills? Well, you gotta check OMGS out now. OMGS studied more than 20,000 people of all ages from 18 to 95. There are three seasons, this is not a subscription service, and you don't need to download anything. There's external pleasure, internal pleasure, and a season all about sex toys. Your purchase helps fund more research, and it's an incredible gift. Go to omgs.com slash shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com slash shameless to receive 10% off unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. Mm, yeah. Well, in long-term relationships, come on, it's nearly impossible to always be in sexual alignment with another person or persons. It's possible for sure, but just everybody's experience in life is different. Everybody's stress levels are different. Everybody is, we're all humans. So we're having these very diverse range of experiences. And so I think in long-term relationships specifically, if you are with someone, which is what the, the this question lies within, if you're with someone and they're pressuring you to have sex, what do you do? What What's your advice on this? Or like, or they're pressuring you that my question around this is specifically those people that really want you to come. Like, let's say my partner really was pressuring me to have an orgasm from oral sex. And it's really important to them or from penetrative sex. Like, uh, you know, say I couldn't orgasm penetrative sex. And for them, it's really important. And they're really kind of like pressuring me to do that. Or to give and, a blowjob or to do cunnilingus. Yeah. Like, come on, but, come on. But I think I there's a difference because that's where like there's one's coercion. Like, can you do this for me? So like, can you suck my dick? But the other ones, I want you to change your body's performance on how you receive and experience pleasure for me so I feel worthy. And that's a common thing. And I think it's created both ways because then I can buy into it and be like, and maybe they didn't even pressure me and I created it. Oh my God, I need to please them. You know, like maybe they didn't even say anything. Like, I really want you to come for penetrative sex. You never do. And I really wish you could. Maybe they didn't even do that, but it was more like, I feel like I'm broken. So, but I'm taking it more like that other direction of, what if that my partner is the one that is stating these things? Like, I really want you to do this in a certain way. And how and do my how question do, too? How do I navigate that? Yeah, both of these are really good questions. And let's let's answer, let's answer each of them. So when we're thinking about partners pressuring us to have our bodies perform differently, and I think orgasm is a common one, but also for thinking about the reverse gender dynamic, it might be I want you to be hard or to stay hard or not come so soon or whatever else that may be. And I think that the reality is, is that exacerbates pressure, which makes it so much more difficult to have the outcome that the other person is so invested in having, right? The hardest way to come is to try really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the easiest way to come is to be told you're not allowed to, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh-huh, it's hot. <laughs> I agree. And then I come. Okay. That's right. Big and hard. <laughs> so I think... I think what can be so helpful is to deconstruct that and to just have a very vulnerable conversation, which is, I really get that you're invested in me orgasming. And I know that it's because you want me to experience a lot of pleasure. And I know it's also because you want to know that you're doing a good job. And I get it. And I want you to know that I'm experiencing a lot of pleasure, whether I'm orgasming or not. And that what's so helpful for me to have my fullest capacity for pleasure is to de-emphasize orgasm and just focus on the journey and how good all the pleasure is that I'm experiencing. And if orgasm happens, amazing. And I get that this might be something that's a disappointment to you, but your pressure actually creates disconnection for me and makes me feel less excited to have sex. And I think that that's like really just important to call out and to name because that dynamic needs to get interrupted. It's just, it's harmful, I think. And 
part of what they're needing is reassurance that you're enjoying it. And so you can offer that reassurance and tell them what you are authentically enjoying. Don't perform pleasure, but reveal your authentic experience of pleasure and to help them start to de-emphasize orgasm as the goal. I mean, if you think about it, even if you have a really massive explosive orgasm, it's still such a small percent of the time that you're experiencing pleasure with somebody else. I loved earlier your story, Amy, because you were talking about how much you loved writing the eights of mm-hmm. the oral sex. And I cheered inside when you were saying that because what a powerful reframe of, yeah, writing the edge is hot and fun and yummy and there's no failure if I don't climax. And that's the reframe that I think is important to have. And if your partner is unwilling to meet you there, that might be a good filter for you around whether or not this is a good match for you. Yeah. Um, You know, I think if somebody is pressuring your body to be different than how it is, that needs to be examined. Yeah. I personally, so, well, I think April too, we both love sex toys, right? You love sex toys. We use sex toys all the often in our, in our play. I have a lot of my orgasms from sex toys or from sex with sex toys. And let me tell you, when I use my, my, you know, my satisfier various sex toys on my own, I have great orgasms, but I have better orgasms when I use that. And I have the cock, like kind of just like barely inside of me or, or like it said, there's, you know, because my labia gets less stimulation. So it enhances my orgasm. Uh, But if I was with a partner who was like, you need to not use that sex toy. I need you to orgasm just for my dick alone. That would be a problem. And I've been in relationships like that before, actually. Mm-hmm. Where they didn't say it that exact way, but kind of like, what's wrong with you? You know, why why do you really like seem like you you need this thing or you want to use this thing often or all the time? Or and so that would be problematic for me because that's something that um I really fucking enjoy. So then I can feel shame. That's yeah. happened to me before where I'm like, is something wrong with me because I'm using a sex toy? And not that was before I know what I know now. And I had shameless sex where I'm like, I don't have a fuck. This is what I want to do. Like, let me go. Well, then we end up pressuring ourselves yes. to change. And that's, you know, it's this whole dynamic instead of, you know, in this more empowered state where we're like, actually, no, this isn't work for me. But, you know, you know, 25 year old Amy in April, different story. Um, so what if I am the partner who has, is it, is it the reframe? Maybe the advice is reframing in my own brain, but I'm the partner who feels my own internal pressure that I need my partner to get off during a, a certain way or you know I need sex to look a certain way to feel worthy and I'm kind of stuck in that I've actually re- we received a sex question from a listener recently who's listened to our podcast many times um I think it's a, a Volvo owning human in in um who's dating a penis owner and this person is aware of all the advice we give about not making a goal oriented not making orgasm the end goal but they can't get over the fact that their partner doesn't have orgasms during sex. Their the penis owning partner isn't orgasming. And it's really hard for them. They're, and the partner's like, I'm having great sex. Is I'm having a good time. Like, I'm really happy. They're like, like not ejaculating? No, or... they're not having or, or ejaculatory orgasm. Yeah, okay. they're not. And, oh, okay. and so for the, for the other partner, the vulva owning partner is like, even though they know that, that they should reframe it and kind of move beyond being so attached to their partner orgasming a certain way or having an orgasm they're having a really hard time doing it and it's feeling really important to them, almost like a barrier. So what would be your advice be for, for either that person or someone also who might not be aware, uh, you know, listening to shameless sex was new. Well, I think it's helpful to deconstruct where that's coming from, right? So if we're thinking, you're describing a heterosexual dynamic, when we're thinking about how we've been socialized around heterosex, we have been taught to believe that a signifier of a man's desire is his penis being hard and ejaculating. And we've been taught that women's purpose and role in society is to be sexually attractive and to be uh, capable of giving pleasure. And so then women get very invested in the site of ejaculation as confirmation of a job well done to feed her own sense of self-esteem. And then for men who have a hard time ejaculating, they know that and then that increases their self-imposed pressure to ejaculate because they want their partner to feel good it has nothing to do about their own pleasure anymore and then that makes it harder for them to actually ejaculate right and this is a dynamic I see often when I'm working with clients and so part of what I do is help to name that and really explore that so that they can see where these influences are coming from And then I really help them explore ways to offer that reassurance to reveal enjoyment so that there there is that input of information that might not be coming from ejaculation, but it's coming from a more verbal or other kinds of physical demonstrations of pleasure. 
And then exploring what are some ways that that human might be able to ejaculate that's maybe not around penetrative sex. It's actually not uncommon for couples to have penetrative sex and then for one or either, I mean, one or both of them to orgasm after penetrative sex with a sex toy, through masturbation, through oral sex, whatever else it may be. And maybe that's partly what this human could benefit from is penetrative sex is actually harder, more pressure for him to or for them to orgasm that way. So they would benefit from being able to have more options on the table. And this is one of the things that I think hetero folks can deeply learn and benefit from queer culture and community, which is that they have so normalized nonlinear and non-penetrative focused sex. And I think that that creates so much permission for folks to be able to not have to go in a linear way, meaning making out to touching and fondling to oral sex, to penetrative sex, to mutual orgasm through penetrative sex. That's the narrative that we believe. But if we think that it can end at any point or we can go from oral to penetrative sex, back to oral, back to handjob, or that I can complete and feel done and my partner can finish and complete next to me and I can offer a helping hand or a sexy gaze or whatever else it is, permission. I mean, that's the theme here is the, the cure for pressure is to be given either by yourself or by your partner, hopefully both permission for it to look however it's going to look for it to unfold in a variety of different ways. And so I think the more that that couple de-emphasizes orgasm through penetrative sex, the greater their capacity for pleasure will be overall And also, I think the more that it might put that option on the table, if it's not something that feels so fraught with all of this other meaning. Permission. And the antidote, is that the right word? The the Mm -hmm. cure for for pressure? (laughs) The script. The script. I like it. Doctor's orders. Yes. (laughs) Doctor Ali said. So you have a course, I believe, coming up uh, Mm -hmm. after this podcast airs. And also... We know that you do a lot of wonderful work with other people. And um, can you let folks out there, the listeners, know how they can find you, at the course that you're going to be offering, and um, if they want to work with you, if you're if you're still doing, uh, uh, I guess, help, helping people. And <laughs> what do you what do you want to say? Therapizing them? I don't know. <laughs> Changing their lives really is what you're forever. doing forever. <laughs> Uh, I appreciate that uh, support and love. <laughs> you two are so good at uplifting the people who are on this show, and it's just a really, really wonderful experience to be a guest. We have to be. We have to be your fan to do that, you know. So that we, we're actually genuine. selfish because we love you. Yeah, well, <laughs> we so. did. It's so mutual. Yeah. <laughs> well, my website is turnon.love, and when you go there, you can find out about my wide range of offerings, including my on-demand content, this course that you were mentioning, which is called Sexual and Emotional Intimacy Skills Master Course. If you want to go directly to that page, you can go to turnon.love slash intimacy. Uh, And this is an eight-week live virtual class that uh, we meet weekly on Tuesdays, and we have a really large curriculum that we cover, including how to navigate pressure, but also things like embodiment and skills for more emotional depth and safety and flirting and seduction and how to increase your capacity for pleasure and exploring fantasies and unpacking shame. I mean, the list just goes on. What's the name Uh, of that workshop again? Sexual and Emotional Intimacy Skills Master Course. It's an eight-week class, yes. And um, it's available for folks across the globe. All of the classes are recorded. So if you can't attend live or want additional review, you can access it that way. Um, And I do teach it live only once a year in January. So I'm so delighted to be offering it again. And if you are happening to listen to this podcast another time throughout the year, you can access it on demand. So please know that's also an option. And yes, I am still working with individuals and couples, helping them to cultivate and sustain more intimacy in their life. And I also have a team of amazing coaches who I'm working with who are allowing me to expand my reach and to serve more folks. And so it's just been really wonderful to uh, be able to broaden my capacity to help folks. And um, if you're interested at all about my coaching services, please feel free to reach out. And you're still you're still working with um, at, at Stanford or is that OK? That's correct. Uh, yes. yes. I lecture there and this. No big deal. Work. Just Stanford. y'all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
And this class, this master course I'm referring to, I also teach at Stanford. And so it's a, it's a really great opportunity to access some of that material that oftentimes can feel locked in academia and to really be able to reach more, more people. Mm. That's actually a really great feature of the class, everyone. So go check that out, turnon.love slash intimacy. And uh, there's a lot of other resources on that website that uh, Dr. Uh, Allie, Dr. Allison Ash offers. So check that out. And uh, thank you from the bottom of, I'll speak for both of us, from the bottom of our hearts, Amy and I, and Uh, Thank you to all of our listeners out there. Amy and I value you so much. We think about you and talk about you all the time. And we love you sincerely. If you love us, I'm just going to invite you to do two things. Number one, this podcast is made possible because we carefully choose our sponsors. And when you buy the products that are obviously being offered by them through us, that helps us maintain and sustain our ability to have this show because we have to eat, we have to, you know, we have to walk our dogs and have a house to live in too. So please, please check out our amazing sponsors and buy their shit. We select them carefully. I'm telling you. But it's not shit. It's really wonderful. No, it's just, you know, it's a figure of speech. And the sponsors are help with keeps this podcast free for you. So exactly. That's why it's free. So instead of fast forwarding, just listen to some of the things you'll, you might might enjoy that. Uh, that was one uh, invitation. The other invitation is please give us some five-star reviews, Spotify and iTunes. That helps people find Dr. Allison Ash's work and also all of the myriad of educators and doctors and authors and folks that we have on the show. It helps more people get their sexual mastery on, right? <laughs> so however that looks. Uh, so that's that's all I have for you. In listener land, we love you so much. We drop an episode every single Tuesday. So we say, see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. No, wait, actually, before we chow for now, Amy has something to share with you that's really exciting. Do not hit stop or leave. Continue, continue. Do not delete. Uh, we already talked about this in the intro, but we are sharing teaslers. 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 Teaslers are actually Tra- good. Teaslers, maybe. Yeah, teaslers. So this is a teasler of the Holly Randall Unfiltered podcast. Uh, her show is fantastic. As we said in the intro, she's been on our podcast before. She interviews people in the porn industry as well as people outside of the porn industry and somehow related to the sex industry or human sexuality field. And we've been on her show before as well. So you want to stay tuned, listen, go check our podcast out. It's part of the po- so the Pleasure Podcast Network, a wonderful podcast network that we are a part of, a whole bunch of sex positive podcasts that are all there with different focuses and niches. And we are happy to share everything within this podcast network. So without further ado, here we go. Hey guys, I'm Holly Randall and I am an erotic photographer, director, and producer. I started a podcast called Holly Randall Unfiltered where I interview the biggest names in the adult industry. My goal with this show is to show the world what the adult industry is really like and what really happens behind the scenes, what these porn stars are actually like as people, not just as performers, and show the world this is a real job. We actually take it seriously. And we have a lot of fun doing it at the same time. So make sure that you tune in to Holly Randall Unfiltered. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it. And come learn what the porn industry is actually like. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.